Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Today, let's continue with our brief exploration of what government can and cannot allow people to say or not to say online. In a previous program, we looked at the First Amendment and the five freedoms guaranteed in that core of American government. And we noted that First Amendment protections apply to government, not to individuals or companies or any other type of private party. Any private company can decide that it will or will not tolerate discussion of any subject at once, and there is no First Amendment issue involved. While Congress, as the First Amendment specifically says, and other levels of government, as we understand the extension of the First Amendment today, cannot prevent anyone from saying pretty much anything, that does not mean that speaking one's mind doesn't have consequences. As anyone from now former president to the looters at the Capitol building who've been fired by companies they formerly worked for will attest. Speech has consequences, and the First Amendment has nothing to say about those consequences. So, we come to the question of whether the government has the power to regulate online private companies like Twitter or Google or whoever. The federal government in the U.S. certainly has the power to regulate certain aspects of how private radio or television stations conduct their business, so why not internet companies? After all, they're both providing information to the public, right? Well, sort of. Let's think a moment about our media landscape these days and the technology that underlies that landscape. Or, more accurately, the technologies, plural, that underlie today's electronic media. The original way of transmitting radio and television is, of course, through the airwaves. In the early years of the 20th century, Lots of people were experimenting with radio broadcasts. The problem, of course, is that there's only so much spectrum available to send signals out over the airwaves. In the U.S., the government made a series of attempts to ensure that only one person or organization at a time was using a particular frequency in a particular area. But early attempts were not particularly successful. Congress eventually passed the Communications Act of 1934, which established the Federal Communications Commission, which, among other things, was tasked with distributing licenses to use particular parts of the available broadcast spectrum. That brought a semblance of order to what had been a pretty messy set of airwaves. But the Communications Act of 1934 did more. It indicated that licensees for the broadcast spectrum were supposed to operate to further, quote, the public interest, convenience, and necessity, end quote. One of the loveliest phrases in all of American statute, at least according to us at the Electronic Cottage. This meant that the Federal Communications Commission could, and did, mandate that broadcasters, originally on the AM radio band, later on the FM band, and on TV channels, provide services to the communities that they serve. The FCC required, for example, that licensees provide news and public affairs programming on their airwaves, as well as entertainment. In fact, in one of those wonderful ironies of history, the FCC established the Fairness Doctrine 
which mandated that if topics of current public interest in the community were discussed on a broadcast station, the licensee had an obligation to provide coverage of all sides of each issue. In other words, a broadcaster had to provide the views of those on the left as well as those on the right, those in favor of a new proposed highway and those against it, those who favored the death penalty and those who opposed it, and on and on. Imagine if there were something akin to the fairness doctrine today for internet media as well as for broadcast media. The world might be quite a different place in this inauguration week. But of course, there is no fairness doctrine for the web, nor is there any longer a fairness doctrine for broadcast media. The FCC in Ronald Reagan's administration did away with the fairness doctrine, and almost overnight, the airwaves were filled with Rush Limbaugh and a host of others for whom the word fairness was not in their vocabulary. Note that the FCC could and can only regulate over-the-air broadcasters because those broadcasters were awarded licenses, supposedly on behalf of the public, to use the public airwaves for free. Again, supposedly in the, quote, public interest, convenience, and necessity, end quote. And that remains true today, even though the Communications Act of 1934 was finally replaced 60 years later by the Communications Act of 1996, which, as we shall see on a future program, is a source of much bitching and moaning by politicians and others today. Today, the airwaves are no longer the only, or even the main, method of delivery of electronic communication and information and entertainment. And licensed broadcasters are no longer the only providers of information and other types of programming. Cable to the home, for example, is not regulated by the FCC as broadcasters are, nor is satellite delivery of information and entertainment to homes and offices. In these delivery systems, there's no issue of scarcity of over-the-air bandwidth that is licensed on behalf of the public. So the question of what rationale the government might use to regulate cable television, or more broadly, any information service, including internet capability, that's delivered by cable or satellite becomes much more problematic from a legal perspective. But there is one other justification for government regulation that some have raised. What if we thought of internet providers as the equivalent of phone companies? Those companies, in the United States originally only the Bell system until its breakup in 1984, and now a few other large companies such as Verizon, are regulated as what are called common carriers by the federal government. Could Google and Twitter and Facebook and other web-based information services be considered as common carriers and regulated that way? Good question. And once again, the people who are screaming the loudest about the power of these tech giants today are the very same people who short-circuited that possibility a few years ago. And we'll look into the ironies of that process and into the possibilities that it may see a resurgent with a new Congress, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Mm -hmm.